0: I'm Larry Gulko I'm Roger Berkowitz, and this is Name Brands, the podcast about the story behind your favorite brands. We're delighted today
1: to have Lizanne Kindler with us. Lizanne is Chief Executive Officer of Talbot's, a multi-channel retailer of women's apparel, shoes, and accessories to the establishment Hingham in 1947, and now boasts 535 stores. Under Lizanne's leadership since 2012, the Talbot's brand has experienced a remarkable renaissance and reclaimed its rightful place as an iconic American fashion brand. The company is focused on growth through new stores, e-commerce, new concepts, cards-related marketing initiatives, and new product categories. Lizanne started her career at Ann Taylor, where she spent 15 years and was instrumental in leading their e-commerce business, as well as launching Ann Taylor Loft. She also served on the executive team at Kohl's. However, after decades of retail experience with major fashion brands, Luzanne believes her biggest challenge and her biggest success is Talbot's. After nearly 70 years, the brand has returned to healthy levels of sales and profitability. This is a feat that Lizanne credits to two things, having talented, passionate people that you can trust to do their jobs and never, ever forgetting that the customer is always at the center of everything you do. Luzanne, Roger, and I are delighted to welcome you to Name Brands. But for starters, I have to ask you a really cool question. We have the Tiffany's Distinctive Blue Box, Thanks. <laughs> And the Talbot's Iconic Red Door to tell us why the Talbot's door is
0: red. (laughs) Oh, I can guess. Well, Larry, (laughs)
2: thanks, and Roger, thank you for having me. It's it's a pleasure. Um, So why a red door? So our very, very first door um, that was red was actually the house that Nancy and Rudolph Talbots launched their Talbots business in, in 1947. And the red door in New England is a sign of welcoming. You know, it's a red color that welcomes people into your home, and they had a red door. So it became the signature of the brand. And since 1947, we've had red doors. Now, Larry and I were talking before, and Larry
0: (laughs) had mentioned that, you know, why red? I mean, how about beige? But I was thinking in the restaurant business, when they design restaurants, restaurant designers try to get as much red in there is possible for hospitality. It's hospitality, exactly, yeah. That's that's what what we say, welcome and hospitality. (laughs)
2: And, by the way, the particular... Red is a very special secret blended red color that is our Talbots red. <laughs> B- 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 see, Lizanne, <laughs> I'm wondering,
1: after Tiffany's and Talbots, Roger, might we someday see salmon colored doors at Legal
0: Seafoods? We, we we actually, you know, it's funny. We we actually do have salmon colors <laughs> specifically uh, to that. They're not quite legal, but they're salmon. Some, uh, <laughs> yep, a little bit of shimmer. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> shimmer. Lizanne, <laughs> So so Talbot's has gone through, under your leadership, a bit of a transformation. Tell us about the Talbot's customer before you got there, and the Talbot's customer now that you've been there for five years. Um,
2: That's a great question, Roger. So the, the fact is that the customer of Talbot's never changed. So it's interesting, but the the target of what the the company was aiming for changed Mm -hmm. through um, actually almost a decade where the company was trying to alter the DNA of the brand and target a different customer. So we have a DNA that runs 70 years of brand, right? And the customer is um, a very sort of modern, classic style-oriented customer. She's got a little bit of a preppy sensibility. She wants quality. She wants a certain fit um, and she has an expectation around style. That um, customer that was so loyal to Talbots, or that type of customer, um, the target customer, never stopped shopping the brand and never stopped um, visiting the stores. But there was a a period of years where the brand was targeting a different audience and really tried to change the DNA of the brand. And the customer was obviously very upset and and didn't spend money and didn't shop. um, Hopeful, and loyal to the brand that one day it would resurface with the right DNA again. Um, so that was really my charge, to w- charge when I came back in um, 2012, was to figure out how to res- resurrect the DNA of the brand to get the target customer shopping with us again. But she had never she had never changed. We had changed as a brand. Mm. So now, I mean,
1: La- last fall, Tablets launched because I'm a lady. Yes. We're really, kind of reinventing lasagna brand. Yeah. But it must be a delicate balance between, as you mentioned, as Roger uh, talked about, you've had a history of a certain customer for decades and decades, and now you're reinventing the brand with a breakthrough, non-traditional campaign, challenging some data perceptions and redefining what it means to be a lady in 2018. Uh, We know you've been very successful at it. You've achieved like 372 million impressions, but I love these two quotes I read, and then I want you to share with us, you know, how does this balance take place of... Of a legacy of years of customers and now kind of a new, improved, you want to call it, Talbot's. Two quotes were phenomenal. Someone said, I love this modern day ladyism, love the edge of your new ads. This new badass campaign by Talbot's totally reframes Wait the wait, a brand- minute,
0: wait, a minute, wait a minute, It's not badass, ca- it says badass modern woman. <laughs> There's a difference. I have here yeah, this it, new badass no, campaign. No, it's bad. And, well, you correct us. Go ahead, Lizanne. <laughs> so
2: first of all, I don't even like that word. <laughs> okay. But but, but, but but the thing is, I, the mindset of the customer <laughs> yeah.
1: is, is thinking you're doing something brilliant. Like, so what are yeah. you doing now yeah. to create this new... Uh, evolution of the tablets customer with also keeping the tablets customer for years right. comfortable with your brand.
2: Right. So there were two factors that really inspired us in this marketing campaign. One is I, I do think that advertising and marketing today has fundamentally changed. So print advertising, running a, a Talbot's ad in Vogue magazine is not going to give us the same um, effect that online and digital and social media can do today, right? It's much more grassroots. It's more about um, actually customers themselves having a voice with the brand. So that was the first sort of filter of inspiration in terms of how we thought about the campaign. The second part was, you know, when we describe our customer, we think of, we talk about her. She's very much a part of who we are as a brand, and she's central to everything that we do. And we do believe that women today are thinking of themselves as ladies in a good and positive way, not in an old-fashioned way and traditional way. And not that there are um, um, definables that are wrong with being a traditional, but today women have confidence, and part of what we do is inspire confidence. And being um, a lady is not about being a traditional housewife or being at home and only being confined to doing certain things. Being a lady today is really what you define it to be. It's all about you. And that's what we want it to try and get across. So we want it to tell our current customers that we understand that you um, have a strong voice today and you have a say in how we should be navigating our brand, and we're here for you. We want to work with you um, to put you together head to toe and give you the confidence to be who you want to be, but we also wanted to reach out to new prospective customers to say that... We are not old-fashioned traditional. We are modern traditional. We are a take on classics. We're a modern way of thinking about who you are as a woman. And that really inspired us because we felt the campaign would resonate both with our current customer, Mm -hmm. who has so much confidence in who she is today, and with prospective customers that have a perception of us as a more old-fashioned brand.
1: So it's worked okay as far as the balance. Yeah. I don't want to say the old and the new. Yes. But... This this really is a new evolution of the the new tablets. Yeah, Yeah. you know,
0: it's it's really a conundrum that I think any established business faces over a period of time because you cultivate uh, a clientele, uh, a guest base, and and it changes. And so you want to be sort of proactive in that, but you don't want to be necessarily reactive. So this is extraordinarily complicated. I mean, it's not easy, and sometimes you take leaps of faith. You do. And, 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 and you try things, and, you, and you're going to experiment, and then sometimes you have to go back and readjust. Those that don't experiment are the ones that, that at times really get into trouble because all of a sudden, overnight, they become obsolete. So the question I have, it's kind of interesting that, that we keep going back and we, we, th- we think about our business, is if someone asks you, Lizanne, what business are you in? And it's sort of like as, as the core, how would you answer that?
2: So I think of it as... Our, our business is really about inspiring confidence. So I think of the fact that we sell apparel and a certain style of apparel is obviously how we, at the end of the day, make our money, but our relationship with our customer and how we inspire confidence and have her have confidence in us is really what makes us unique as a brand. That's what makes us survive decade after decade, not the clothing itself. That is critical and important because that defines the um, the parameters around the brand, but the business that we're in is serving our customer and inspiring the confidence with our customers.
1: You know, it's interesting. Talking about inspiring confidence, I'm just going to top a cough for a second. I was in Cape Cod last week, and I went into this very high-end men's store, and I saw a suit in the rack, Roger, okay? Okay made from Italy. And I thought, I, I thought maybe I needed my reading glasses. The price tag said $10,000 wow. for a suit. And so I said to the young lady, this is $10,000, and she said, well, you know, if you really are serious about business, and you want to be confident in life, you need something that's going to <laughs> so really... ran out of there in a hurry. Right? Right? And she said, and she said also, it takes 65 hours to make this suit, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, you know, in my, I'm, you know, give me a break, you know, I can inspire confidence, you can inspire confidence without a $10,000 $10, suit at Talbots. Oh,
2: absolutely. Um, it does not have to cost you $10,000. No. But the
1: relationship piece is the key. It's huge, Yeah. So now, when you say, and we know that your sweet spot is 45 to 65-year-old females, right? Correct. But then there's another group out there called millennials, yes. which is about half our population. Yeah. What are you doing to talk to the millennials? Because they're going to migrate into that sweet spot you have. So share with us your thoughts on how you're going to deal with all these different demographics.
2: So one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking about at Talbots is that there's actually um, this um, – passing down of the brand um, between mothers and daughters. And one of the moments between a mother and daughter where you have the most fun is when you go shopping together. So we are really putting a lot of thought into how do we um, create an environment where mothers can bring in their daughters for a first shopping experience as they're getting themselves, not first ever, but first as they're getting themselves ready to enter in particular the job market, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And we are also um, really tapping into, we have our um, philanthropy with Dress for Success, right? So we are very closely affiliated with Dress for Success. And again, this is about women helping women and inspiring each other to do good and and help women get off the feet and and into the job market. So the idea that our customers are so um, enthused and so excited about this campaign, where they're reaching out with um, and together with Tao was to help other women can they bring their daughters in and can they include their daughters in this idea that we're doing good for other women so we are thinking about Millennials we are thinking about the next generation of Talbot shoppers um, but it's sort of you grow into the brand and you're you're coming in sometimes you're coming in on your own sometimes you're coming in with your mother um, and that that is I think super exciting because it's not just about the clothing itself again you know it's the philosophy of the brand it's what we stand for. It's what the good that we do in community that makes um, younger customers excited about what we're doing as well.
0: Hmm. Now, now, speaking of younger customers, and I was just reading something, and you must have been this must be well up on your radar because I'm just coming across it. But I was reading where millennials are shunning high heels. And the high-heel shoe business for women is going way down, and the athletic footwear business is going way up, I mean, in double-digit numbers. And that's sort of like a seismatic, I'm guessing, a seismic change, because how does that impact your styles that you're developing now when all of a sudden there's this immediate change.
2: Yeah. So I think when you're in the world of fashion retail, one of the things that actually is most important for us to do is keep our finger on the pulse in terms of lifestyle changes that we're seeing out generally in the marketplace. And the the athleisure and comfort trend is incredible out in the marketplace. So women want to look good, but they want to be comfortable. And even the younger generations, they want to look sharp. But to your point, Roger, they don't want to wear high heels because it's actually uncomfortable right, <laughs> to right, walk right. around in and yeah. why punish Larry, yourself Larry with the uncomfort, right? Like you don't have to punish yourself in the, today to look sharp. Um, I, I just went to boat yeah, shoes. Right. <laughs> so I think that that it's, it's really more about understanding um, real macro changes in the environment that influences what um, generations, how generations are dressing and what are the factors, what are the attributes that are important and comfort in today's world is important. And you know, whatever the customer wants, becomes important for the retailers, right? That That's key. So you have to stay on top of it. You have to know your audience, and you have to know how their preferences and behaviors are changing so that you can serve them what they are looking for. And it, the the comfort footwear is a perfect example, but it actually goes beyond even footwear. It's, it's what you wear head to toe, period, where there has to be degrees of comfort, even when you're looking put together in a suit. The comfort element is important.
1: So who, who and how do you get your influence? You mentioned you have a pulse in the customer naturally. How do you, let's say when you go back from today and you're designing new fashions for next season, who are you touching? How are you touching them? Who's giving you the input? How does it all come about at Albert?
2: So it comes about in many ways, and sometimes it sounds a little mysterious, you know, when you're thinking about fashion and retail, you know, how all of a sudden is everybody in pink? You know, why is that all of a sudden this season, the it color? But the reality is it's studying, studying all of the influences that are out there, watching people um, generally in their day-to-day lives. It's reading about what's happening in the world. It's traveling. It's visiting stores. It's visiting high-end designer stores. It's visiting um, vintage stores. It's everything and you're really just got to keep yourself educated in terms of what you're seeing happening in the marketplace. And I'm sure, you know, this holds for many, many other businesses than retail, fashion retail, um, where you really, um, I would say, intellectual curiosity, curiosity around what's happening out there and, and having a passion for understanding um, the macro shifts that are happening in how consumers, customers live their lives. That's so, really so what comes you down So a new to.
1: season and it's happening, like, you know, it happens, let the, um, June is going to happen for September. Correct. Are you like not sleeping at night, hoping that in all five and thirty-five stores, your catalog, e-commerce, this new fashion, this Uh, new color, is really going to take (laughs) off? Well,
0: or or, or, or the other thing is, I'm sure going on in the back of your mind too. Part of your DNA is timeless fashion. Correct. And so, what constitutes in your mind timeless fashion? Still embracing some of the nuances. Yes,
2: and that is both. Those are both um, terrific questions. So we, um, when we think about help It's We do filter the fashion because we don't have a trendy customer. She, Our customer values timeless, right? And she values versatility and quality much, much more than she values trend. Now, she wants to be current. She does not want to look out of fashion or dated. So it is important for us to interpret what happens in fashion the right way. Um, We have methodologies to understand, right? So again, in today's world, data and information is at your fingertips. So we can put product small batches of product out in front of our customers and get a very quick read from her on what she likes and does not like. So that also influences our uh, forward purchases, right? So having this dialogue with our customers and, and listening to her, having letting her have a voice in how we make our decisions is becoming more and more critical. It's also becoming easier and easier because of speed and technology, um, which is really is wonderful, both speed in in producing items and getting them to market, but also speed in how you're analyzing and reading your business every single day. Now, her, no.
1: her lives in the West Coast, her lives in Florida, her lives in the Northeast. How do you design to make sure that you're fulfilling the desires and the lifestyle of the her? That was in different yeah. geographic areas. So
2: we are one brand with one point of view and one sensibility in terms of our style. So we don't alter our style Um, based on where you live. We do consider climate because there's a pretty big difference. And we all know this being in New England right Mm -hmm. now, living the snowstorms versus being in Florida um, or anywhere down in the South. So we do think about how we flow our product and what we call the wearability based on the climate of where you are located, but it's not a style sensibility. So if you're a Talbot shopper in California, you have the same style as a to help a shopper in the Midwest or on the, in the Northeast. So no change there, but climate is important, very important.
0: Now, you're in the retail business. You have 500 stores across the country. Uh, you have a catalog business that you were very, I, I think, back in the 40s. The company started with a catalog well ahead of the time, and you can, in some ways, catalogs were the precursor now what's going to on. To e-com, it. sure. Uh, e-com, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Retail is under siege right now. Brick and mo- brick and mortar is under siege right now, regardless of of, of which category uh, you're in. How do you think about that, and where do you see the world going in 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 retail fashion or retail clothing?
2: So, without a doubt, there's a change in how customers consumers shop today. In my mind, brick and mortar will always be there, and there is a reason for being a brick and mortar. What you have to know as a specialty vertical retailer that is omni-channel, like Talbot's, is what's the reason for being? Why is our customer going into our stores? Customers like to have a relationship. They like to engage with an associate. They want to touch. They want to try on. So there is a very good reason for brick and mortar to exist. Um, There's a purpose. There's also a purpose for e-commerce, and there's a great purpose for a catalog today. Catalog used to be the way that our customers would shop with us, and she would call a representative in the call center and place an order. Uh-huh. That does not really happen today, right? But the catalog, she uses as a magazine. She sits at home. She educates herself. She goes online to either educate herself more or place a purchase. Sometimes when she places a purchase online, she gets gets it. She's not so happy. She returns in a store here again, brick and mortar is very important because there's a place for her to go and have a conversation with someone to return an item or exchange or look for something that is not available online. So, When you think about the way the world works today and the way consumers behave, it's really important for you to understand the pattern of how customers shop and why they use each of the channel. What is the purpose for e-commerce? It's speed, it's comfort, it's ease, right? What is the the purpose for going into a brick and mortar, a store? It's because you want to have a conversation with someone or you want to touch something or try it on. So I think the more clarity you have around the purpose, of each of your channels, the easier it becomes to manage the channel and manage the customer's expectation when she engages. And, and
1: I mean, you're really touching these customers with amazing numbers. For example, you know, I read you had 54 million people in store traffic, 24 million visits to tablets.com, 800 million emails sent out, and a staggering 72 million, Lazanne catalogs catalog. mailed. Yeah. So you're touching them in so many different ways, but where are, what seems to be the flow as far as the 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 pipeline of sales coming in? Like you mentioned, they might, they might see a catalog and then call in, or they might go online, whatever. Where is the distribution channel primarily coming from, even though you're touching them in a variety of different ways? Yeah.
2: So I think of it as um, sort of a 360 ecosystem of how the customer engages with us through all the different channels. So the catalog today really is a traffic um, um, driver. So when she gets the catalog, she's clear about, we have a new delivery. There's something there that's exciting me. It's time for me to re-engage, right? It's, and, and that has tremendous effect on how our business is um, evolves. But when she's online, she can also reserve and pick up in a store, or when she's in the store, she can engage and pick up a, a direct order so we can order for our customers when she's in the store. If there's something that's not there that she would like, we'll just place the order online while she's in the store. So. The environment of how customers are shopping today is really changing very, very rapidly and important for all of us to stay on top of that and always put ourselves in the customer's shoes to say, what's easiest for her? What is she looking for? How is she engaging? How do we service her best possible with either the actual transaction or the inventory How quickly can we get product to her? Is it in the right location? Can we pull it from the right location to get to her as fast as possible? So it's a very, very dynamically changing environment. And I think all retailers are experiencing this. And you really have to understand your core target customer and what he or she is looking for in terms of how you service.
0: You are regarded as a very thoughtful CEO. Uh, and I have a I have a, a theory that women make better CEOs anyway.
2: <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Roger. For, for the <laughs> I have that theory too. So, no. all <laughs> the, so <laughs> all I get
0: so far I uh, got a turn on. Sometimes
2: you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel this. You know, this is
0: just through observations. Oh, but let, let me throw a hypothetical at you because you know, it, it, and and this would apply to CEOs, but also would apply, I think, to a lot of business uh, operators. And and this is a mistake that they tend to make over time. Let's say you have a very um, a loyal employee on your senior staff and they did a, a very nice job for you. And now as the world turns uh, and evolving, they may not have evolved. As a, as a hypothetical, how would you deal with a situation like that? Because I'm sure many people grapple with this.
2: Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's, it is it's fascinating as, as a I think any associate in any organization, even as a CEO, the most important thing is that you continue to think about how you're evolving yourself and you're educating yourself and you're learning and growing in your role. But there are situations where roles themselves also become less important as the business environment changes. And you sometimes, I think as a leader, have to face the fact that A member of your team can be incredibly talented and have brought some amazing things for a period, but the environment, the situation, the job, the business – dictates a change and therefore that particular role or that particular talent isn't as important any longer and you have to make the change. It's hard. It's one of the hardest things that you face I think as a leader is making changes to um, any team members. And that that's any level of leadership. It's one of the hardest things that we do. But I think you have to recognize that you're in the role to make business happen and for you to continue to grow and be profitable. And that doesn't mean that a, a person or a member of your team can't move on and be successful in a different situation.
0: See, and, and, and women can convey and communicate that better than men, then <laughs> say, you're fired, I'm here. <laughs> well, a certain guy says, you fired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so saying your right? leadership style, because you really, arguably, you know, one of the most difficult things is, is building a team, and getting a team to believe in your vision, and motivating them, inspiring them to deliver on your brand promise, and to deliver the experience that you want them to deliver, how do you make that all happen, you know? In your own um leadership style
2: um for me it comes down to as a leader clarity around your goals and your objectives and communication 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 you have to be transparent you have to communicate with clarity you have to have a vision for what the critical goals are that you're looking to achieve and how members of the organization and your team can help support those goals because Everyone comes to work every day and wants to do the right thing. Everybody wants to help you be successful in any business. And they can only help if they're clear about what you're trying to achieve. So clarity around goals and objectives is really, really important um, for me as a leader. The second part too is is building an environment where people are comfortable to come in right. and participate and participate with a voice and and understand that they're going to be listened to, that they have um, things to contribute, that you're not thinking that you're the only one that's making the final decisions. So almost, um, I guess, in a different way of thinking about it. It's knowing what you know and knowing that you don't know everything. And how do you become clearer and educate yourself by engaging with the organization and listening to your associates? Because they are closer, in many cases, to the goal you're trying to achieve, or even closer to the situation um, with information and knowledge that you might not have, but is very important when you're trying to make a decision. So I think being engaged, being clear, communicating, and inviting dialogue, you know, it's a a two-way street
0: be interesting to get your your thoughts. and i'm I, I'm sure I know where you're, where you're going to go with it, but I, I just want to get your thoughts anyway. Um, talbot's um, um I, I just read has over ninety percent women in the workforce. and uh, um and and so now there's a pending law about um, the gender pay gaps yeah. and, and whatnot. Uh, we, we'll just share some of your feelings about it from what you've seen, uh, both past and present.
2: Yeah, I, well, I think it's an, a critical, critically important um, conversation to have, and in my mind, there should be no difference in pay based on gender. You pay for talent period and you have to judge in your business what's the right pay based on the talent that you're looking for and of course you have competitive information there's lots of data available out there um, but really um, the fact that there's a disparity in um, in pay because of gender it's it's absolutely unacceptable in today's world
0: and when do you think these biases came about i mean i, I mean intuitively everyone knows there sh- there, sh- there shouldn't be any but
2: you know what? I cannot even answer that question because it's so far outside of the realm of how I think. So I I, I can't even imagine that you can sit across from an associate and, and think differently um, based on gender. Um, it really should just come down to the role and talent. That's it.
0: Well, pretty soon it'll be law. Yes, <laughs> which I'm,
2: I can't I believe that we actually need a law for that to happen. I, I know. But, I know, but, I but know, I'm glad. You're right. I'm glad. It's yeah. progress. It's progress, for sure.
1: Lil you know, you touched on before, you mentioned the words Dress for Success. And Talbots is really a giving back brand. And Dress for Success, as I've researched it, uh, you have a partnership with O, with the Oprah, Uh, magazine collection for Talbots, which 30% of your net proceeds benefit the initiative. And in three years, again, the numbers numbers you're hitting are off the charts. In three years, you've received $3 million of financial donations, 60,000 women you have positively affected in a very, very wild, cool way, 200,000 articles of clothing and accessories have been donated, and 400,000 media impressions. How did you create this program with Oprah and the whole collection? And, you know, what you're doing is marvelous because you are really um, giving women a, who need a fresh start, a new beginning, and working beyond to so share with us how this whole initiative happened because, yeah. again, it, it's, it's in the DNA of Talbot's. It is, it very yeah.
2: much. And, you know, it's funny, Larry, because I, I didn't create it, actually. So um, when I went back and studied um, the DNA of the Talbot's brand, I came to realize that one of the things that makes Talbots unique is the role we play in our local communities. And the fact that we have this incredible relationship with the women in our local communities. And I, Talbots has always been a brand that gives back in local communities. So we do good in our communities. And we often have charity events in our stores. And we try to have outreach in our local communities. So when I thought about it, I wanted to create an affiliation at a national level where we could reach out to our customers through our stores, through our e-commerce site, but in a very local way and touch women that really needed help. So Dressed for Success was the organization that came to mind for me because part of what we do is dress women. You know, that's part of our premise, and we inspire confidence by how we put our outfits together for our customers. So I thought, what better organization to partner with and give back to than an organization where women are helping women get back on their feet through donating um, articles of clothing or financial support so that they can go and have an interview and feel confident in the way that they're coming across. Oh. And this initiative has resonated with our associates and our customers in ways that I had never even imagined when I started thinking about this. Um, and the way that the collaboration with O Magazine came about was we um, we were at an event um, and sat with um, the, the editor, of um, O Magazine and her team and started talking about the similarities of how our customers and their readers think about women supporting women. And we said, wow, I think we've got some magic happening here. So we decided with Adam Glassman, who is the stylist of Oprah Magazine, um, to create a small collection where we could donate 30% of the net proceeds directly to Dress for Success. Um, and again, our customers and our associates have embraced this far in a f- with far more passion than I could have ever imagined. And I really do believe that it is because we know in today's world um, there are women that are in situations where they just need that one little moment of help and that we can provide that. We can help each other provide that for women. And the the way we're touching these women and their families and their children, allowing them to get back up on their feet is... Remarkable, And our associates and customers have responded with force, with force, um, hence the results that you were reading off. Mm-hmm. Thousands and thousands of articles of nearly new clothing that have been donated. Hundreds of thousands of dollars between Talbots and our customers that we've um, fundraised and donated to Dress for Success and really have touched um Tens of thousands of women and their families, which is in today's world um, are a, a really um, humbling, I think, um, experience for a CEO to be sitting there and thinking about how how powerful we are together, uh, Talbots and our customers together. Um, really great, very admirable.
0: Yeah. I, I'm curious as you look ahead, and it's, it's always when I hear someone say, oh, "What are you going to look like five years from now? What's your business going to look like five oh, years oh, from now?" I thought you were going to say, "What are you going to look like five years, years ago? Look no, like I no, no, about no, no, that no, no, no. <laughs> I, I class, don't want to even think about that, that. <laughs> Mary. Okay, <no. laughs> we don't. We both don't want
1: to think about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but it, because there's so much disruption going on, you know, millennials are pushing a lot of that technology. Is pushing a lot of that. Where do you see what, what? What does the face of Talbot look like five years from now? If you were just, just to, to throw it out there, off the top of your head.
2: So, most importantly, our style proposition and our DNA will not change. Right. So that's the most important sort of north star, our guiding principle of who we are. But technology is going to continue to play a bigger and bigger role in terms of how we think about evolving our business, how we engage with our customers. And it's sort of a a new frontier. And I don't think anybody knows five years from now exactly what that's going to look like. But I think you have to stay on top of it and engage and listen to your customer and tap into the technology, tap into the possibilities of data and analytics, analytics, you know, artificial intelligence, like where is this all leading us, right? Don't think we have the crystal ball to say five years from now what it's going to look like, but it will be different. Our worlds will be different five years from now and how we... Customers, myself included, all of us, you know, how we engage with businesses, it's going to be on our terms. I mean, ignore it. It's going to be on our terms, right? And and businesses have to think about that. All businesses have to think about that. And and it's exciting because it'll make us smarter, faster, more nimble, um, better educated. So, from my perspective, when I think about the next five years, it's with a lot of excitement um, around how we engage and how we change. um, um, for the better to serve our customers.
0: Anxious anticipation. Anxious anticipation, <laughs> well, that's a good
2: way to describe it. you <laughs> anxious
1: anticipation. I read a quote, Raja, that Lizanne stated a little while ago. I'd like for you to share with us what, what your thought process is here, Lizanne. My experience at Talbot's defines both the breakdown moment and the breakthrough moment. So what is this breakdown moment and breakthrough moment
2: I refer to. <laughs> well, thank you, Larry, we do, for we reminding me of that. We got homework <laughs> here. <do>. Yes, you <laughs> certainly do. Um, so when I was at Talbots the first time, uh, my so my this this um, this time at Talbots is my second time back with the brand. And the first time I was with the brand, I would say it was my breakdown moment because <laughs> I was in a situation where I had such a passion for the brand and the customer and the associates, but in a way um, felt powerless in influencing and making the changes that I thought were necessary to make it a strong business um, and a business that was healthy so that we could serve customers and associates. And that was not a great feeling. That was not a a great realization um, to to sit and, and, and all of a sudden face the fact that you as a single, um, leader with thoughts and ideas and ambition um, really couldn't make the changes that you wanted to make. So that was a bit of a breakdown moment. So I decided to leave the Talbots business and moved on to um, to Coles and had a, a phenomenal experience at Kohl's. Um, But when the calling came and and I was asked to rejoin Talbots, that was the breakthrough moment. And little did I know that I was going to have a 360 situation where I was going to have the opportunity to actually come back and do some of those things that I had imagined in my head would make the business strong and make the brand resonate with customers and um, tap into associates the right way. So so that was the breakdown to breakthrough um, situation that I was um, referencing without describing yeah. in detail. <laughs> the, the, you know
0: the, the path, is, as you've articulated yeah. well, the path is not always a straight line. It is not and, always
2: and it, a straight line, and I have learned that um, actually quite quite a bit in my career. And and oftentimes, you know, you take twists and turns that leads you to exactly where you're meant that's to be. Exactly, I, I agree <laughs> with you that. But you might 100%. not see <laughs> it when you're in the <laughs> that, situation; it. it doesn't feel that way. But you're
1: going to be feeling great about the breakthrough because, you know, I always feel that successful brands are not just great marketing stories. They're really great business stories. And you, since you've come back to Talbot's, you are, you are creating a phenomenal business story that has so many legs to it that the evolution of it, the next chapter, is going to be so exciting for you. It's yeah.
2: very exciting, and I'm, I'm really incredibly proud of the team um, and the effort. Our associates are one of our most important assets in making that all happen. Uh, and you know, the DNA was sitting there and, and I yeah. I felt that I could really take that and bring it to life through um, a fantastic uh, team and lots of talent. So well, really con- remarkable. Con-
0: congratulations, but you're not off the hook yet. <laughs> uh, we, we have something here called the lightning round. Get ready. <laughs> We're going to fire okay. questions. Now, okay. remember how this works, Larry. A, a, a quick question that needs a quick answer. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So, All right. So, uh, question number one. Have you ever been to the Faroe Islands?
2: No, but Denmark owns the Faroe the, Islands. Okay. All right. No, that, that absolutely. And you're Danish. So, that's, that's right. a
1: time. Right. That. Right. Good, Larry. Okay. Let's see. Call us up. Are collars down today?
2: Mm. No, because years ago— Collars down? Men,
1: years ago, men wore them up, and women and wear them up, and now all of a sudden, women wear them up, and men wear them down. So what's happening with collars?
2: Collars down, uh, but it certainly depends on your style, and you control that.
0: <laughs> your favorite Danish.
2: I'm <laughs> uh, <Get> hungry. <laughs> Snijlop. <laughs> how is that? <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Directly translated, snail, which in, in English would be a cinnamon bun. Oh, okay. um, but when, when our kids grew up, we said snails um, because that's how we described them in, in Denmark. See, that was
0: kind of a trick question yes. because I, am I not mistaken that your husband is Danish? He is. So if that was a trick question. Right. I thought you were going to say your husband. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Roger. You just put me on the spot. <laughs> well, Lizanne, we know black is synonymous with
0: chic. What color is chic number two? Navy. If Talbert's were a car, what model would it be?
2: Well, the first model that came to mind was, uh, I think, an Audi mm-hmm. A5. Okay. That's, okay. Good. That's, that's to going be one, one of my favorite
0: cars, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's simple, stylish, and a convertible, play. right? Right. But I, I probably should have
2: quoted an American model, but I'm really bad with cars. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm not very good with cars.
0: If
1: if your life were a book, what would be the title?
2: If my life were a book, what would be the title? I think I've answered this question. Um, once before something about um, heels and (laughs) Haagen-Dazs (laughs)
1: Haagen-Dazs? Are you you noted for eating a lot of Haagen-Dazs
0: at work? Not at work but it is is certainly a favorite
2: ice cream of mine All right, and an important uh, replenishment situation for me with my huggenoth. Yeah, And,
0: and my last question: What piece of clothing that you sell at Talbots best underscores the brand? One piece.
2: Blazer.
1: Okay. And I'll wrap it up with, we learned a lot about you today, Luzanne, about your philosophy of business. Is this a question? This is a question. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> hey, tell us Can't one. tell with you.
0: Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: tell us one thing that we don't know about Luzanne.
2: Oh, I'm so uh, transparent. Should I bring your husband in? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I love to thing. I'm a terrible singer, but really? I love wow.
0: singing. Wow! <laughs> <Really>? Very <laughs> good.
1: Very good. We'll, we'll see you in the, the shower. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's the only place I sing because people would die if I sing in public, but I love, love, love singing. <laughs> well, well,
0: thank you very much. It was great having you today. awesome you today. Wonderful.
2: Thank you very much, good. Larry and Roger. Thanks oh, for having me.
0: Our pleasure. Remember to subscribe to Name Brands on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast application and get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We're at Name Brands Pod on Twitter or on Facebook at Name Brands Podcast.
1: That's it for us. We'll be back to talk to you again next Wednesday.